Welcome to the Friends of First Worship podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Friends of First Worship podcast. I'm John Bolin. We love to discuss worship life and leadership, and that's what we're doing today with my friend Robert Morgan. Robert, it's great to have you back for part two of Mastering Life Before It's Too Late. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. So last time we dug in, we can't we can't get to all of them. I sure wish we could get to every single one of your 10 principles that you lay out in this book that has so affected my life. But last time we dealt with listen to a 12-year-old, maximize the morning, and operate on yourself. If you have not listened to that episode, the first episode of this two-part series, go back, just pause the podcast and go back and start there to give you some context because it was tremendous and wonderful principles that I think will affect your life on a daily basis. And so I appreciate that, uh, Robert, for sure. Today, let's try to tackle three more. Can we do that? The The next one I'd love for you to speak into um, of these great principles from the book is live as if. Live as if. This is incredible. Speak to this truth uh, that I that I have I have found has been great freeing and and a real encouragement to me to push forward in uh, continuing to grow. Yeah. Well, sometimes we just have to live as if God really was alive because He is. Sometimes we have to live as if. He answered prayer because he does. And there is a sense in which that is walking by faith. I think the simplest way of saying it is that it is easy to live by one's emotions instead of by one's attitudes. There is a difference between emotions and attitudes. Emotions come and go. In fact, emotions are motions inside of us that constantly are coming and going and rising and falling. And and we can be very emotionally volatile. But while emotions come and go, attitudes come and grow. And our emotions flow out of our attitudes. And if you can determine your attitudes, then that will influence your emotions. And sometimes you just have to choose those attitudes. So, for example, if you feel like you don't love your wife, or maybe your love is um, cooled down, or uh, things have gotten complicated in your marriage, um, and, and you don't have the same emotional uh, drive uh, towards uh, loving her that you did when you were first married, what do you do? Well, you act as if you did. You just begin acting as though you really did love her. And, uh, or, or if it's your husband, you act as if you really loved him. And you'll find that if you make that choice to love in behavior, in attitude, in choice, if you make that decision to love, then the attitude, the emotions will catch up with the attitudes and with the choices you make. Uh, the same thing is true for joy. Uh, I devote an entire chapter to this in the book, but to me, it's been one of the most important lessons that I've ever learned. Some years ago, we went through a very, very difficult time at our church. Um, I've, I, I was the pastor, the senior pastor of the same church for 36 years, and I'm still on staff there, and it was a wonderful uh, period of time, but we had a couple of years, uh, maybe a dozen years ago, when uh, there was a very difficult issue that arose, and it just about um, defeated me, uh, and I was so frustrated and, frankly, depressed and discouraged um, and didn't know what to do, and I couldn't resolve it, but, and then I had a missions trip on top of that, and I was in Asia, 
and coming back, you know how those trips are killer trips um, sure uh, on the way back. Um, but I got out my, when the plane took off, I got out my Bible and my, my journal, and, uh, and I was reading through Colossians at the time, just like we talked about in the prior podcast. And in Colossians, I came to a little verse in chapter 1 that talked about praying joyfully. And there was something about that uh, adverb, joyfully, that just, I don't know what it was, but it reminded me of another verse about joy and another verse about joy. And by, before I knew it, I had 15 verses that I'd put in my journal, you know, with bullet points. And I looked at those 15 verses, and one of them, for example, in Psalm uh, 100 says, to serve the Lord with joy. And I realized for the last several months, I have been serving the Lord with faithfulness and with diligence, but with drudgery and with depression and with anxiety. And it was as though the Lord said, now, if you go back in this uh, down-in-the-mouth state of mind, uh, you will lose this situation. But if you just decide you're going to be joyful, whatever happens, uh, then uh, your people will follow you anywhere. And I just decided I would act in obedience to that as if I felt joyful. Mm. And I got a smile on my face, and I bounded off that plane. And the next Sunday, I bounded onto the stage, and I smiled. And I realized that the joy of the Lord is something that should never be diminished, regardless of the circumstances, because it's the joy in the Lord. Now, we can't always have joy in our circumstances. We can't always have joy in the situations we find ourselves in. But we can always have joy in the Lord. We can have joy in His presence. We can have joy in His promises. We can have joy in His Word. We can have joy in the provision that He makes for us. We can have joy in the, the you know, eternal life that He's got for us. And, and we can't always rejoice in our load, but we can always rejoice in our Lord. So I just acted as if I had joy. And, you know, it's amazing, but my emotions caught up with that choice of attitude. Mm. And, uh, in the right order. That is yeah. great, making sure those are in the right order. Well, you know, when I was in school, they, I, there was a little booklet with, uh, have you seen this little train with the engine, the coal car, and the caboose? And it's fact, facts, faith, and feeling. Was mm-hmm. they, they taught us you know, that that's the order in which it's got to come. You have the facts of the Word of God. You place your faith and the facts, and then the feelings follow along behind. Mm. But if you get those reversed, then you're in trouble. And so it's a matter of saying, well, here are the facts of God's Word. I'm going to trust them, and I'm going to seize upon them and let it be the basis of my attitudes. And then somehow... Emotion, emotionally, you know, we, we will come into line with that. Yeah. What would you say? Let me follow up with a question here. What, what would you say to the one uh, listening that might say, well, that seems like you're just putting on an act, right? You're not being true, authentic to what you are feeling. I remember in college, uh, a story comes to mind where I had a roommate who was uh, you know, very much putting his emotions on his sleeve and was living that way and was up and down day to day. And I was a fairly consistent guy because I'd been taught, you know, through my parents to live a certain way and to live with joy and to not let things affect you, um, but be consistent that way. It doesn't mean I wasn't feeling up and down on the inside, but there was a, I was certainly trying to live with a consistency. And he accused me of not being authentic because I was trying to maybe, uh, or he accused me of putting on a face, right? And And we live in an age where 
that is such a hot topic, right? Be authentic or be real. Always do this. What would you say um, to the person that maybe is questioning that with this principle? That's a great question. There's a very fine line there um, between positive thinking and biblical faith. Um, And, you know, the 20th century was dominated by people who were talking about positive thinking. And it basically is psyching yourself up emotionally by telling yourself things and quoting mantras to yourself uh, and faking it till you make it and things like that. Uh, But when you bring true scriptural exposition into this, then what you are doing really is walking by faith, not by feelings. Uh, because the facts of God's Word don't change. Jesus doesn't change. And it's very interesting, John, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, in these last days, uh, those of you who have possessions should live as if you didn't. Mm, Those of you who are married should live as if you weren't now, what he was saying there was that we shouldn't take our marriage. He wasn't telling us to, to neglect our marriage. He was saying that in these days when persecution is coming, then hold on to things lightly. Live as if everything was going to be lost for the sake of Christ and be willing to pay that price. So, uh, And it says in Hebrews chapter 1 that faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident of what we do not see. So what do we not see? We don't see God. He's invisible. We don't see Jesus. He's in heaven. We don't see the Holy Spirit. He's within us. We don't see the angels, but they're here. We don't see the fulfillment yet of all of God's promises, but they're guaranteed. So we fix our eyes on those things, and we live as if they were true because they are, and that becomes the basis for our attitude choices in life. Man, it's tremendous. Such a great thing, and I love the practical application to that. In your book, you go more into detail mm-hmm. with that of just, do you want to become good at that particular practice? Or let's say you want to play the piano. Well, act as if you do and mm-hmm. go work at it and become that. Or do you want to be a studier of scripture, but you don't feel like you are? Well, be you know, work and live as if you are mm-hmm. and do it. And therefore, this uh, habit will begin to be built in your life to where then that, that is who you are. It becomes who you are over time. Yes, and the opposite is true, too. If you begin acting as though you don't feel well, or you're acting as if you're always tired, or you're acting as if you're depressed, uh, or you begin to give in and sort of bleed on people uh, more than you should, uh, uh, then you will begin becoming the way that you Mm. feel. The Bible says, as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. is. And, uh, And so that's why I think to have biblical truth in the center of our minds uh, will build the life of faith, whereas if we let other feelings crowd in and take over, then we may be swept away with with harmful or negative emotions. Mm, That's so true. Let's grab another one. The practice, uh, you, you say in the book, practice the power of plotting. Practice the power of plotting. Speak to that a little bit. Yes, with a D. Now, there are times when we have to plot with a T. Right, right. You know, we need to make plans. But most things get done in life in small chunks. God reveals his will to us in one-day increments. Uh, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, James said, uh, you know, you who say tomorrow, we're going to go do this and that. Well, you've got to say if it's God's will. 
We don't know what his will is for five or ten years from now, but we can usually figure out, what do you want me to do today? And we do his work in small increments. And the only way to manage a big project is to break it down into small steps and to do what comes next. There is tremendous wisdom, I think the wisdom of the ages, John, in just doing what comes next. In my book, The Red Sea Rules, one of the rules is to take the next logical step by faith. When the Israelites were trapped at the Red Sea, they couldn't go forward or they couldn't go backward. But the Lord told them, now go forward. They couldn't go forward very far because they were going into the sea, but they could take the next step. And as they did so, the waters began to part for them. And I know you have a lot of things going on in your life and you have a lot of projects. Uh, And if you think of the totality of everything that you've got to do, then it'll overwhelm you. But if you say, what can I do today? What is the next thing that needs to be done? Well, you can do that. Uh, In my book, sometimes I'm overwhelmed with the thought of, you know, an 80,000 word book and all the research and all that's got to be, you know, the writing and the rewriting. It can be an overwhelming process. If I think about that, I'll get anxious at night. I'll not sleep. But if I just say, now, what is the next step I need to take in this project? And, uh, you know, the, the great secret is just doing things one step at a time, uh, one task at a time. Uh, it's that way with problems. Some problems are overwhelming. We can't solve them uh, all at once. They're like Gordian knots. But there is usually some little thing we can do in the middle of that problem. We may need to make a phone call. We may need to make a letter. We may have a decision to make. Uh, but if we will just do what comes next, then like the Red Sea, it tends to open up before us. And we'll look back and be amazed at all the Lord was able to do because we were just faithful in little things. I was speaking with the uh, worship pastor just the other day, Robert, where he was asking some big questions. Oh, I don't know what the Lord has for us or how I'm going to get there. And and we spoke on this very subject, and it was such a wonderful truth to be able to go back to to say, you don't have to know what's down two or three miles down the road. God, God is actually using step-by-step step in your life to teach you to continue to trust and to have faith in, his, in your life and in your ministry. But when you don't know where to go, just take the next logical step and let the Lord use that in your life. And that's also a good anecdote for, antidote for um, anxiety. Uh, in this book, Always Near, um, that you mentioned, uh, I tell the story of Elizabeth Elliot, who learned... Uh, as she said in one of her books, that when she had overwhelming problems that brought anxiety, if she just sat there or she just paced and she mulled over them, it would get worse and worse. But if there was some job she could do, some task she could put her hand to, uh, if she could stay busy, uh, then she could manage the anxiety because she was doing what came next. And sometimes that's all we can do Mm. is doing what comes next. And uh, that's, you know, it's a wonderful thing to learn, really, John. It's the only way to, uh, to have what the Bible calls perseverance. And that's at the very core of character. That's good. One more. Let's do one more. The last one that you mentioned in the book is remember there are two of you. What a great encouragement this chapter was for me, and I know it will be for the listeners. Speak to that. This is a very important theme to me because I learned this in college. I had some uh, Bible teachers who talked about 
the role of the Holy Spirit within us. The concept here, really, there's a couple of um, uh, origins for, for that title that I have to the chapter. Remember, there are two of you. But one is the great explorer Robert, Robert Livingston when he went to, uh, sure. to see Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the pastor in Britain one day. And Spurgeon, uh, I don't know if you've read a lot about his life, but what he had going on was incredible, not only preaching all the time, but he had like 50 benevolent organizations he was running, and he was writing. And and so Livingston said to him, Mr. Spurgeon, how do you manage to do the work of two people every day? And Spurgeon said, well, you forget, dear brother Livingston, that there are two of us, and the one that you don't see is doing most of the work. (laughs) That is terrific. And that's Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This to me is critical for us to know that Jesus went to heaven and he sent down the Holy Spirit. And it is the Spirit of Christ. That is a phrase in the Bible. Jesus Uh, after the incarnation, is localized, um, being in a human body. But the Holy Spirit is not. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. And what the Spirit is doing is on two levels, he is living Christ out through us. One level is in the area of Christian experience. You know, I can't live the Christian life. Uh, Only Christ can. Uh, I can't be patient. I can't... um, Uh, have victory over temptation, but Christ can. So the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is living out the Christ life in me. And this is uh, the great emphasis of the theme of the fullness of the Spirit in the epistles. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, being thankful, being submissive. It is the Christ life. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But on the other level, it is Christian service. Not only can we not live the Christian life on our own, we cannot do the Christian work on our own. If we try in our own energy to lead worship or to write music or to prepare sermons or to preach them or to lead Bible studies or to witness, then Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But if it's the Holy Spirit doing it through us, then there is a guarantee that our work in the Lord is not in vain because it's just Christ continuing his work with us. And this is the emphasis of the book of Acts. When it talks about being filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts, it says they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So understanding the dynamic of the fullness of the Holy Spirit within us, both in living the Christian life and in doing the Christian work, is it's a mindset that transforms the way that you go about your ministry. It really is... When I stand up to preach now, uh, and I, you know, I try to, um, I always noticed how uh, Dr. H. Edwin Young, he was my pastor when I was in college. He would bound up on the stage, you know, uh, very jauntily and cheerfully, uh, and I've always tried to do that too. But as I walk across the stage to the uh, microphone, I try to visualize Jesus as walking across the mm. stage with me. Wow. He's the one really doing the preaching today. It's his word, it's his spirit, it's his results. Uh, And uh, I thought I was going to preach, but he's the one doing the preaching. And when we begin to develop that awareness, then it is transformative, and it's also very liberating. 
Mm. You know, we can't always see the results, but the Holy Spirit guarantees that his word doesn't return to us for And that is so good for us to hear on even the worship side of things, as you mentioned, the mm-hmm. preaching side. The same is true for us, for our teams, for our leadership, for um, the platform that we stand on. Boy, we are not alone. We have someone there. There are two of us there together. So, man, incredible. Robert, you're one of my favorite people on the planet. I wish that we could have tackled all 10 of these, but I hope this, for you, the listener, has salt in the oats a little bit, you know, to go and to grab this book. I would highly encourage, I've given more copies of this book away to people, I feel like, than any other book, because I just go, you need to read this, you need to read this. It's really affected my life. So blessings to you, Robert, and your ministry. Thank you, John. I truly mean that. And to you, too. My admiration for you is, like, off the charts. Thank you for letting me be here today. Well, you're too kind. Blessings to you guys, and thanks for listening today to the Friends of First Worship podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Continue to share this. If you have been ministered by Robert and his message today, boy, share this. Get the word out. You can uh, certainly go to the app or look us up at firstworship.com. We have lots of resources for you there, so we hope to hear from you. Blessings to you today, and thanks again for listening to the Friends of First Worship podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the Friends of First Worship podcast. If you're new to us, we invite you to take a minute to subscribe. If you enjoyed today's episode and felt like the content was useful to you, feel free to share it on your social media platforms. Lastly, don't forget to check us out on Facebook or online at firstworship.com. And if you have any questions for our teams, feel free to submit those to questions at firstworship.com. See you next time on the Friends of First Worship podcast.